Welcome back to the Sphira series here at the Database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg. This week is week four, the week of Netzach. Now, what exactly is Netzach? It's usually translated as triumph or victory or eternity. So what exactly does that mean? How, how, how do we use that as a midah to work on ourselves? Right, we know that the spheros are the spheres through which Hashem engages with the world. They are emanations. But of course, we believe, um, based on Kabbalah, that these are also midos that we can work on ourselves. And you'll see as the weeks of sphere go on, as you can already tell, we're already um, crossing the halfway mark here. But the exact meaning of the midos of each week are only getting more challenging. Right? Chesed is pretty intuitive, right? It's you're doing positive, nice, good things. Um, it's coming from love. It's coming from the will to do good. Gvura is what we said is the withholding, right? It's 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 might, it's strength, but the strength particularly of of abstaining. Then we said to Ferris, some kind of pristine balance between the two. So now we're actually starting almost like a new pattern when we get to Netzach, as we are going to see. Because apparently Netzach and Hod are going to be a pair, and then Yesod, which is going to be week six, is going to be some kind of balance between the two. And we're going to try our very best to understand how we can um, apply the Midos. First, we have to figure out exactly what the Midos are. And we also know that the Spheros, they correspond to the seven Rohim, starting from Avraham, Yitzhak, and then Yaakov. So last week was Tepharis, that was Yaakov. So Netzach, we are moving into the week which would correspond to Moshe Rabbeinu. So we have to try to understand exactly how Moshe Rabbeinu is associated with this, uh, this Midah of Netzach. It's a little bit harder to decipher, especially when we're not coming and uh, approaching um, this topic from an absolutely lofty Kabbalistic um, perspective. We're going to try to do it from a more humanistic perspective. But that said, um, certainly if you think of the concept of eternality, so we can certainly associate that with Moshe Rabbeinu, Lokam Kemosha. There was no one like Moshe. Moshe was someone who was able to reach the heavenly spheres and, and, and you know, even compete with the Malachim. So that sounds like something that we might associate with what we have already sort of described as Netzach, this concept of this triumph. Um, but there has to be some way that we could bring it down to earth for us to understand it and for us to be able to apply it. And then, of course, we will also have the next set of of Kenyane Torah, the next seven, right? Because I mean, we have seven per week, one one for each day. And of course, this week is not you know it's not just one aspect of Netzach, but it's seven different manifestations. Um, although I have not necessarily specified it each week. But um, tonight, for example, is the first night of Netzach, so it's it's Chesed of Netzach, and then tomorrow night's going to be Gevura of Netzach, and so on and so forth. Or really, uh, yeah, yeah, so that's how it would be. Um, so we're going to try to get a more specific understanding of Netzach after we thank our sponsors, first the Lili Nishmas, Shmuel Menachem and Ari Leib, and Leah Bas Avraham, who's in Shemesh and Aliyah, and we also have sponsors, uh, sponsorship from Yonah and Chani Laster, who should also be gesund.
And um, so we thank you for your sponsorships. And anyone else who wants to sponsor, just reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data, then base, B-E-I-S, at gmail.com to make your sponsorship today. Now, for this week, again, we are jumping into more complicated territory in terms of trying to, to, to decipher the midos that are, um, that are within these spheros, how to apply them and how to create um, you know, the necessary tikkunim in our own lives, not necessarily the, you know, the super Kabbalistic expelladocious uh, um, tikkunim, but I'm talking about just the basic um, applications of working on our midos, you know, even more basic. And so we'll have to do that. And then when we get to the seven Kenyane Torah that we're going to discuss today from that Mishnah in, or that Brisa in Pirkei Avos 6, 6. So what we're going to see is we have so many major ones this week. There, it's, it's, it's incredible. We have, um, you know, each one that we're going to see today, really pro- probably for all of them, for each of the Kenyane Torah, you can have a whole entire share on each one. We're going to try to get it within the allotted time. So we'll do our very best, Bezra Hashem, but, but each one is so loaded. So, um, and we, um, so we'll, we'll get back to that soon, and the, that's going to be Kenyonim number 22 through 28, Bezra Hashem. Okay, so let's, let's go back to this topic of, of Netzach. What exactly does Netzach even mean? So we, we gave basic translations, but those translations can hardly um, help us in understanding how to apply the Mida. So is there is there another way that we could explain this concept of triumph or eternality or victory? So something to do with winning, right? But then is that the same as Gevura? Like, you know, when you overpower something, that seems to be what Gevura is, like oh, the overpowering of the eights there. And I've seen um, in the writings of uh, Rav, Avraham Shor in Lekach Velibov, where he talks about Netzach, and Netzach, he even associates it um, in a Dvar Torah about Yaakov Avinu, which we know is related to Ferris, and he talks about Yaakov's battle with the Malach, with, with uh, the Sar Shalesav, um, and he, he associates that with, with, with Netzach, so, you know, we could have stories um, involving you know, other other of the seven rowim, and they could possibly manifest these midos. There's, there's certainly like nothing wrong with that, um, but we are, um, you know, we're 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 trying to understand the you know the fine nature of what these midos are. So what I would say is, if we can use another English word, that would be helpful. The English word that I've seen doing my research, I've seen a couple of of the of these words. The word might be endurance. Or resilience, right? These these midos, at least in English, endurance and resilience. You know, being able to withstand. And we're going to talk about why this is different than gvura. So just keep gvura you know, on the back burner for now. Um, but um, endurance and resilience is the ability to withstand. And I guess endurance. This um, the, I don't know if endurance and resilience are complete synonyms. Usually, when we talk about endurance, we we mean that you're able to keep going. Right, that 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 um, you know, you can take a lot of hits, and they they won't they won't cause so much damage to you, or you'll be able to, you know, or even if they do, you'll be able to stay up, you'll be able to stay in the game. And resilience also is that ability to fight back, even when you're 
when what, what you know when you're being knocked down. I mean, it could be they you know that they they are synonymous. Both words I think work for what we're trying to get at, and somehow they have to do, they do have to do with um, the battle against the Yetzer. But we're going to talk about why this mida is different than gvura. So, if there is um, a Kabbalist out there listening who wants to correct me, so then by all means, reach out to me at the database at gmail.com. Um, but here's, here's my, my understanding of it. Um, and again, if, 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 if this resonates with you, then great. And if it doesn't and you think I'm saying something that's incorrect or I'm making a mistake, so please correct me in, in, in a future episode um, of the series, we'll, we'll, we'll correct it. But my understanding of chesed, for example, versus gevura, is that chesed is what I refer to as active positive. I'll explain what that means in a second. Whereas gevura is the exact opposite. It's passive negative. So chesed is active positive. Gvura is passive negative. So for example, chesed is where we want to do good, we want to do things that make people happy, that make ourselves happy, and, um, and that's what chesed is. It's the part of, you know, it's, it's the part of us that wants to give everyone, and we said that that by itself, there is such a concept of giving too much, either giving yourself too much and thereby giving into the Sahara, so indulgence, for example, or for other people, or giving other people too much indulgence, maybe giving them too much money, giving them too much of leeway that they should not have. Or, you know, the, the mashal we gave is, is incest, for example, or even not, if you don't want to go as extreme as incest, but engaging in physical um, contact with someone that you're not supposed to engage in physical contact with. The physical contact you might call a chesed, but it's a chesed gone, gone haywire, it's a chesed beyond bounds, and we don't believe in that. Um, that that's not healthy, it's not a healthy balance, it's incorrect. And gvura, so, so the chesed is positive, it's the giving, and it's active, it's, it's actively doing it. Whereas gvura is passive negative, the whole idea is that you withhold and you, and you know, the, the nature of the battle against the Eight Sahara, when we talk about Gvura, is I'm standing my ground. That, that, right? That's Gvura. Gvura is I'm standing my ground. I'm not moving. You're, I'm not letting you move me. And, and I put my foot down. Right? That's really Gvura. Gvura is I put my foot down. And it's not about what I am doing. It's about specifically what I'm not doing. It's the Sur Meira. Okay, and we said that Tiferes is, 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 the, is the perfect balance between them. So when we get into the next set, which is Netzach and Hod, so I want to suggest that it's a slightly different variant of the Chesed Gevura um, complex, I guess. The, the Chesed Gevura connection, we said Chesed is active positive, whereas Gevura is passive negative. So... If that's true, I want to suggest that Netzach is a new combination that's passive-positive. And we're going to see that Hod, my suggestion is going to be that Hod is active-negative. We're going to have to see next week what exactly is the opposite of Netzach when we talk about Netzach being about endurance and resilience. So we're going to have to see what the what the what, what what the contrast is in hod 
the opposite of endurance or resilience. And it's strange if you think about it. When when would you not want to have endurance and resilience? Like the opposite would sound like it's giving up, right? And we're going to see how that ties into what the true midah of hod is. But that's a next week discussion. And when we get to it, I'll elaborate more on what I mean by active negative. But you'll have to keep that on the back burner for now, also. And let's let's focus in and um, you know bear with me. And, and and give me this chance as I try to explain um, this passive positive. So when we say passive positive, what do we mean? So we said chesed is active positive, where it's doing, it's actively doing, and it's positive. You're doing, you know, good things. You're doing, um, or you're doing substantial things. Um, and it's, it's giving the leeway to the Yitzhar in a certain sense. It's allowing for the indulgence. It's allowing for kindness. You know, and, and you know when we talk about a gullus of chesed, we mean that you know it's it's a gullus that's very enticing, right? So, um, so that's that's what the nitziv writes you know, about the gullus of chesed. It's the scariest kind of of gullus because we want to stay in that kind of a gullus, and we we really shouldn't. But okay. And we said gvura again is the passive negative. It's all about what I'm not doing, and it's it's fighting against. And it's detracting from that chesed um, by standing around and not letting go and not giving and not, not giving to it. When we talk about netzach, netzach, I'm referring to again as passive positive, where it's about the fight. When we talk about the resilience and we talk about the endurance, it's about sticking in, you know, sticking it in for the fight. But there's a passive nature to it. And it's positive because Netzach is about continuity. You're doing something good, the eternality, the triumph, the victory. It means that if you're on a roll and you're doing a lot of good positive, the continuity of that, the perseverance, right, the holding strong, the continuity of that strength is what Netzach is. Right, so whereas Chesed is I have to create the motion to do chesed. I have to create the motion to give and to, to do for others or to do for myself or to, you know, to allow for myself to indulge. So the chesed is the go-getter mentality. It's more extroverted, whereas gavura is more introverted. So if that's chesed, so then netzach is not where I'm starting a new motion. I'm already in motion, and it's about the continuity of all the good motion that I'm doing. It's about keeping strong against the. And it's in the battle against the Eight Sahara because the battle against the Eight Sahara cannot just be a battle that's a passively fought battle, or I should say, it's um, it's it's not a negative. I should say it's not a negatively fought battle. It's not just about what you can't do, right? That can't be the battle against the Eight Sahara. It's a bunch of don'ts. It's a bunch of surmeras. Because if it's not about going up and 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 doing the positive, if it's not if it's not about the positive things that you should be doing. Then you're you're going to lose because you know the, it would be the equivalent of playing a chess game where you're just trying to hide your piece. You're you're trying to hide the king. Your entire strategy is hide your king, and you're not thinking about how to actually devise a strategy to def- to to take the other king to get a checkmate against your opponent. If your if your strategy is just to save your king, eventually your king is going to lose. 
It's just, you know, you, um, you know, sometimes they say the best defense is a good offense. And Netzach is about offense, but it's, a, it's, a, but it's, about, it's about a passive offense. It's passive in the sense that you're not doing anything new when you're doing Netzach. It's about the continuity of all the good things that you're already doing. It's about not giving in. If you have a set Seder where you learn, Netzach would mean the continuity of that Seder, the persevering, not giving in on that Seder, not giving in on, on a Yetzar Hara that you've already defeated, not giving any leeway to that, right? Gevura might be a battle that you're fighting against the Yetzirah that you still haven't conquered yet. Right? Gevura might be where you're, it's a real struggle. The whole struggle of Netzach is just not giving way when you are already on a roll, when you have the momentum, right? And, and being resilient and, and, and enduring means that you're still in the fight that you're essentially you're winning. The reason you're winning is because you keep on going. You're pushing, right? If you want to use the muscle of Yaakov's fight against the Sarshal Esav, it wasn't necessarily a fight to knock him out, but he stayed in the game, and that was it. The Yitz Sahara that normally, you know, w- 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 you know, if it was a battle of Gevura, it might have cracked him at some point, or that would be the struggle for for Yaakov at that time. It was just a matter of hold him down. And when it comes to, you know, someone like Moshe Rabbeinu, for example, who's already on the highest level, the only thing that a Moshe Rabbeinu can do, um, you know, when, when we're talking about someone who has nearly perfected all of his midos, the only reason he was still alive in this world was because of the, the maybe the few tikkunim that he still needed to do. But for Moshe Rabbeinu, I guess, Netzach was continue being on your level, keep pushing, and, you know, even contending with the Malach and being on, on that, you know, on that high of a level. You know, it's hard to be on top, right? It's, it's, it's hard to be the best in the world. You know why? It's hard to be the best in the world because you don't know what kind of growth is out there for you. Moshe Rabinu was the best in the world. He was the greatest man, the greatest prophet. He was also happened to be the most humble. Um, but Moshe Rabinu, being the best, what kind of inspiration can you draw from the people around you when you're literally the best? And so Moshe Rabbeinu drew literally his inspiration from the Malachim and HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. And the Netzach is being able to push even when you're on the up. Right? Gevura is the push that you need to make when you're, you're on the bottom. But the passive positive push of Netzach is you're doing well, just keep going. Don't, don't let anything ruin your momentum. And don't give in. Don't give in one inch to the eight Sahara because you're already on top. And you're going to stay on top, but you're going to stay on top if you continue to persevere. Be resilient. Don't even give up a little bit. It's, you know, it's push, doing that extra push-up. That, that, that's Netzach. Okay? So now that we understand Netzach a little bit, let's go into the next um, few Kinyane Torah. In week one of the Sphera series, we discussed Talmud, Shmias Ozen, Arichas Vesayim, Binas Halev, Sichlas Halev, Ema, and Yira. That was during the week of Chesed. During the week of Gvura, we discussed Anava, Simcha, Tahara, Shimush Chachamim, Diktu Chaverim, Pilpul Talmidim, and then Yishuv or Yishuv Hadas. Week three into Paris, we discussed Mikra, Mishnah, and then we got into the Miut series. The Miut Schora is limited business affairs, Miut Aracharetz, right, limited being involved in the social world or material world. Then we had Miot Tanug, Miot Sheina, Miot Sicha. And as we promised, this week we begin with the last one of the Miot series, which is Miot Schok. 
And then after Miyotzchuk, we'll have six more. Again, each one, which is an incredible pillar on its own, which deserves a full half hour share, which we'll not have time for, but we'll, we'll do the best that we can for each one. So for Miyotzchuk, one of the questions that we were wondering in the back of our minds last week was how seemingly inconvenient it is that we began the Miyot series and we couldn't finish it all last week. One of them had to go into this week. So why is that the case? Well, um, so... When we were speaking about Tiferes, we were speaking about the, um, the, the pristine balance. And the part of that balance is that once you have, you know, you, you want to both engage in the world, but you also want to fend off the Yitzhar. You want to do the Chesed, but you also need the Gvura. And Tiferes is knowing the proper balance, and sometimes that means you can engage in the world, but mute. Right? You could sleep, but mute, Shana. You can do all these things. Um, you know, you can... Uh, you can engage in Tanug slightly, maybe on Shabbos, but Miot Tanug. Tiferes is able to tell you that each thing needs its the proper proportions, everything in moderation. But Miot Tzchok, I think, is uh, a different kind of a limitation. Miot Tzchok literally means limitation of laughter or levity. Now, the reason why I think it's different is because if you look in Mesiyos Yisharim, Mesiyos Sharm talks about this in the chapter of Zahiros, which is really early on, when he talk, specifically when he talks about the Mafside Zahiros. This actually came up in a Musra Minutes back in Parshas Vaira. Um, we quoted the, the Mesiyos Sharm on this topic. But he talks about one of the things that detracts from a person's mindfulness, an individual's mindfulness, when he's working on his midos and, and working on observing the Torah properly, Ratzon Hashem. One of the things that detracts from this consciousness and this watchfulness is, in fact, schok. He talks about just how damaging the midah of schok is, the, the idea of levity, scorn. Sometimes it manifests itself in the form of cynicism and skepticism. And he says, and we, we, quoted, the, we quoted the paragraph itself in Mesiyos Yisharim. I think I'll, I'll pull it up right now. The Ramchal in Mesiyos Yisharim, he writes in Parakei, he says, He says the whole concept of Zahiros, of watchfulness, is placing your heart on the matter, taking something to heart. Skip a little bit. Oh, here we go. And then he says, So what does Schok do? is is something that removes your heart. It removes your attention from these important things. It's so that the Yira, the thoughts of Yira, will never even enter your heart because you're not applying your heart to it. And we use this to explain the difference between the the Yareas Devar Hashem, right, in Paro's servants. There were those who brought their animals in before Barad. And then so, so, the Chumash contrasts between the Yareas Devar Hashem versus Va'asher Lo Samli Bohel Devar Hashem. It doesn't say those who feared versus those who didn't fear. It says those who feared versus those who didn't take the matter to heart. Because right, that's what Schok does. The cynicism, the skepticism, making light of things, making jokes of things. The Gemara says that you're not supposed to fulfill, you're not supposed to fill your mouth with laughter in this world while we are in Gullus. And it's because when we, you know, when we, like, doing that 
it makes a person not serious enough to take things seriously and to instill Yiras Shemayim. And when we talk about miut schok, we mean maybe there's a real, real tiny amount of schok that maybe you should you know, be allowed to hang on to so that you can just be able to get through this world with a good attitude, with some happiness. But it's a real limited amount. And I think this speaks more to the Midah of Netzach than it does to the Midah of Teferis. Because if the Midah of Teferis is about the proper balance, when we talk about Schok, it's a very tiny bit. There should really be almost no leeway for this for this kind of thing. And when we talk about Netzach, Netzach is... I don't care what's in my way. I'm going to keep on pushing. Nothing is going to ruin my momentum. And that's usually what schok ends up doing, right? If you're, if you're on a roll in terms of ruchnis, let's say you're giving a muster schmooze and you're on a roll and you're giving a muster schmooze, but then someone cracks a joke and then he's ruined it for everybody in the room because now everybody's laughing, right? So schok is something that can ruin the resilience and the endurance. It could ruin the thunder and the momentum of a well-fortified um, netzach. And so that, that's perhaps why this, um, this um, frighteningly dangerous midah of schok makes it to this week of netzach, and, the, you know, and that, that, that starts us off for now. So miyot schok, you got to be very careful when it comes to this midah. And the acquisition of Torah Right, when we think about how and how the Kinyane Torah, as we keep on saying, these are treasures that come with your pursuit of Torah, but they are also necessary tools for acquiring the Torah. And how this speaks to me or how Mitzchok speaks to that is very clear. That one thing, a person who has this Torah will not be thwarted by 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 Schok. But also, if you really want to be able to take the Torah to heart, to be able to acquire it, so you have to make sure you limit the amount of schok, um, so that you are not doing it, um, so that you're not using a mida, uh, you know, applying a mida that's going to ruin your acquisition of Torah. Okay, so that's miyot schok. That's the first one. The second one is erech apayim, right? Slowness to anger. We know this from Yud Gimel Midas Rachamim. Hashem, Hashem, kel rachamim, lichanu nerech apayim. So erech apayim, it means slowness to anger. Erech literally means long. Apayim means the nose, like the flaring of the nose. Slowness to anger. And this apparently is another aspect of acquiring the Torah. You know, we, um, there's another Mishnah Novos that says that a captain in Eina Malame, it's someone who's overly makbid, someone who's overly um, uptight, he won't be able to teach Torah. And someone who is not slow, someone who is quick to anger, is someone who is going to not be able to have the patience for the toil it takes to acquire the Torah. And the truth is, uh, um, if it, the more Torah a person has, the more he's working on his midos, then the more he should be slow to anger. Right? And sometimes, in, you know, in a week of Netzach, right? so if Erech is is Gevura of Netzach, um, so maybe you know you might you might be inclined to think that netzach means since you're plowing through everything, it means that you should be uptight about these kinds of things. If someone's interrupting your Torah learning, so you know you should your anger should flare at them. And the answer is no. The perseverance and resilience of netzach does not manifest itself in being um, you know a jerk or a kapdan or someone who is is um, you know unstable. 
So Erech HaPayim, slowness to anger, it's a midah that we can all do much better with. And if in terms of our acquisition of Torah, we'll go a long way. Now the next one is a really big one. So well, I guess we're looking at Kenya number 24. This is Lev Tov, a good heart. Now, you might be familiar with Lev Tov from a different mission in Pirkei Avos. This is in Perak Bey's Mishnah Yer Gimel, where we're learning about all the students, all the Talmidim, the Talmidim of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. And although I said it was Bez Yer Gimel, I think it's actually Bez Tess 2.9. And in that Mishnah, so he asked his Talmidim, well, well, what's the derech that a person should go on, in, you know, the, the best derech? And he had suggested, who, who suggested? Rav Lazar ben Arach, who was considered uh, perhaps the greatest of, of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai's Talmidim, he said Lev Tov. And in the Mishnah, and Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai said to them, to all of his Talmidim, um, I actually prefer the words of Rabbi Lazar ben Arach than all of your words, because all of the things that you said were included in what he said. So in Rabbi Lazar ben Arach said Lev Tov. So what was the what are the all, all the other things that are included in Lev Tov? Just so you have an understanding of what uh, what it takes to have Lev Tov or what a Lev Tov entails. So Rabbi Lazar ben Arach um, his Lev Tov would have included all of the other um, um, you know, all the other items, which include Ayin Tov, which means a generous eye as opposed to an Ayin Hara. It's not a, it's not a jealous eye. It's not a greedy eye, but it's a it's a it's a generous eye. Someone who sees the best in others and wants you know to give to others. Someone who's a chaver tov, someone who it's not just the way you see people, but it's actually the way you act, right? That, that you're a good friend to them. So not you're not just happy for them, but you you engage in pursuit to help others. Then there's also shachin tov. So lev tov includes ayin tov, chaver tov, shachin tov, being a good neighbor. So what's the difference between being a good neighbor and being a good friend? Um, so the idea is that when you're a shachin, there's a closeness. There, um, you know, you're you're next to the person always. So you you are someone who looks out for those who are around you. Not just that you know that you have distant friends and distant friendships, but you're engaging for others. And then there's a roa esanolad, someone who sees the future of his actions. He sees the results. He sees what's going to be the offspring of of that which I do. Being able to see a little bit down the line. So having that that broad world view that encompasses all these things, that's Lev Tov. So what an acquisition. If you can get Lev Tov, you know, um, to, so that for one, that will help you acquire the Torah. And two, with the Torah, you know, you'll be, you know, the more, with the more Torah, the more of a Lev Tov you'll have. So this one's definitely a take-home Kenyan, um, if you can get it. The next one, oh my, we could spend so much on it. So... We did Mirat Schok, we did Arachapayim, we did Lev Tov. Now we move on to Emunas Chachamim. Now, yes, Emunas Chachamim literally means faith in the sages. And we talk about Emunas Chachamim, so obviously this is coming from the Tanaic period. And they were talking about the, the um, you know, the Tanaim of the time. Usually when we talk about Emunas Chachamim, we mean Chazal. You might extend this to a modern, more modern construct of, of Das Torah. Um, where we have our postkin, because who are we going to trust if not our postkin? 
It doesn't mean there won't be a machlokus between poskim, just like there is, you know, just like there's machlokus in between Tanoim and Amoraim. But Amunas Chachamim is having a baseline, at the very least, a baseline faith in their words, um, a, a, a faith in the Mesora and the Chachma that they employed for their methodology, for how they came to the conclusions that they did. And then, you know, and again, you'll find varying opinions in the Gemara, so it's okay for there to be more than one opinion. But the Munas Chacham means the understanding of Eluv Chaim if it's coming from one of them. And we work with what you know. We work with the best that we have. Obviously, we, you know, we you can't you can't literally follow every posik because not every posik agrees. But if you're using your Amunas Chachamim and you're finding what the consensus of Poskim are saying and you're willing to go with that because that's what the Chachamim are saying, the Chachamim of your times, and we know in the Gemara we work with consensus, and this is always true, right? Um, you know, when, uh, when uh, Rabbi Elizabeth Herkinus was having trouble in the case of Tanur Shalachnai, when everyone was arguing with him, they put him in Chayrim because he wouldn't go with the consensus. So the point is, Amunas Chachamim, very baseline is just this understanding that Chazal knew what they were talking about. And, um, and by extension, I would say that um, there's a certain amount of trust that you're supposed to have for the post-skin. doesn't mean that you don't, you, know, you don't inquire. It doesn't mean that you don't try to do your own research. But it does mean that um, you have to have a, I would say, a, a trust in the integrity and, and a trust in the process, a trust in, in, in the, the greatness of the you know of, of the chachamim of her of of older generations and I would say even contemporary generations. Okay, so that's that's amunas chachamim in very short terms. The next one is kabbalas yisurin. Right, in order to acquire Torah, you have to be willing to accept the trials that you have on you and accept them with love, as as Rashi there says in, in, in avos. To, to accept, you know, to understand that this is the, you know, you know, sometimes you don't, you're not, you're not able to indulge in all the best things. Torah might come with poverty. It might come with whatever challenges it comes with. But, but for one, the more you're able to be makabali certain, the more Torah you will ultimately be able to acquire. And the more Torah you acquire, the more you'll be able to withstand these surim. Not just withstand them, to accept them with the love, the understanding that Hashem is doing this for a reason. So Kabbalah Sisirin um, is another take-home one. Again, one that we could spend so much time on. Then we have Makir Esmakomo, and here's another huge one. Makir Esmakomo means someone who recognizes his place, someone who knows his role. This is something that I think is just simply lost in our generation because everyone has an opinion. Everyone has a strong opinion. It, you know, it doesn't have to be in politics, but it's often the case in politics. But you have it in you know, Jewish politics as well. You have it um, when, when it comes to um, you know, uh, pe- like everyone, you know, going back to the idea of Amunas Chachamim for a second, you know, everyone thinks, you know, everyone has an opinion about a, 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 let's say it's a halachic issue. Not everyone is a rabbi. Not everyone did all the research. Not everyone spent all the years of ingraining halachic intuition. But everyone seems to have an opinion. Everyone has, an hash, has hashkafa on things. And, and you know, it, not saying that people aren't entitled to their opinions in a certain sense. So, you know, we could talk about that a separate time, how, you know, what kind of opinions are in, are we in fact entitled to. But beyond that, or I should say more fundamentally than that, it's 
how do we how do we treat our opinions versus the chachamim around us, or not just the chachamim, but in any case, in any case scenario, how do we talk to our parents? How do we talk to other people? What do we? How do we act in shul? A lot of these uh, things, the detriment in this is just because we don't recognize our own place, because. We think, you know, um, you know, if, if let, let's say a rav does something that we don't like, so for some reason we think it's our place to call out the rav. Um, well, whether it's a gadol, whether it's a rav, whether it's a talmud chacham, or let's say it's again just another adult, and we are who's who's older than us, or maybe. Maybe we're, we're the adults. Maybe you know. Maybe, maybe you have someone who's you know an older guy, a guy in his sixties who's been in the shul forever, and he you know he calls out the younger rabbi because he thinks he knows better. He's been in the community for longer. And you have this with all ages. I'm not I'm not, I'm not exclusively calling out you know one kind of person from another, but to just know your role. Know when maybe you should not be talking. Know when it's your place and know when it's not your place. Right, you know, it, it could be that if a kid, if you have a kid who is upset because older people are talking in shul, it could be it's not the kid's place necessarily to call out the adults, and maybe there's someone else who should do it. Part of knowing your role, by the way, is not just knowing when not to talk, but it's knowing when to talk, knowing when maybe you should be saying something, knowing your role. If you're the rub and things are happening under your watch, so maybe it's not the job of the 15, 16, 18-year-old kid who's from and wants to be able to dive in without people talking around him. Maybe it is the job for someone to speak up who's older and say, hey, you know, you shouldn't be talking in shul. Or whatever, whatever the scenario is. Makiris Makomo, knowing your role, knowing your place, recognizing it. Finally, the last one seems to be a repetition. We'll have to explain this one. It's Sameach Bechelko. Another huge one, of course, but we want to be careful to differentiate this. Sameach Bechelko, literally being happy with your portion, with your lot, to be able to differentiate that from the earlier Kenyan we had of Simcha. Right, we had Simcha in week two, the week of Gevura. It was the second one, the week of Gevura. So it was Kenya number uh, nine. Now, what exactly is the difference between Simcha and Sameach Bechelka? They're both about being happy. It sounds like both of them are, are about a certain degree of maybe you can say gratitude, but not just gratitude, but being it's a, a satisfaction with what's happening around you, right? So well, what exactly is the difference between Simcha as a Kenyan for Torah and Sameach Bechelko as a Kenyan for Torah? So very simply, I would say that Simcha is a broader, you know, Simcha might be more related to Simcha's Hachayim. That, that, that what comes with Torah and what helps you acquire Torah just stop the ability to be happy, to not be miserable about things in general. The happiness of just being alive. Right? The happiness of just being able to 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 relax and not 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 get anxious about things um but but to be able to to rest assured being happy rejoicing in 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 all the good that's around you and some people can have good and they just don't rejoice with it that's but to to be some, to have simcha of lev so then what's Sameach B'chalko? Sameach B'chalko, I think, is specifically not just in your assets, but things which are exclusive to you, things in which you own or things that can be ascribed to you. It's not just the fact that you're alive, right? You could have absolutely nothing in the world. Let's say you can have, like, literally nothing. You could have no, you know, you could have maybe one, um, one shirt, one pair of pants, and you, you barely have a roof above your head. But Simcha, in general, 
is, I'm happy, listen, I'm, I'm alive, and I have a role, and Hashem is, I have a relationship with Hashem, I'm going to be happy. Sameach b'chalko, I think, means the extent which Hashem has given you the good, not just, you know, even if you have nothing, you're going to be happy. I think that, again, is just broader simcha. But Sameach b'chalko is, actually look at the things that you have, count the things that you have, consider the fact that you don't just have one shirt and one pair of pants, um, but you have you know, a roof over your head, and you don't just have that, but you have a relatively good life, you're able to compare yourself maybe to what other people have, and recognize the bounty that you have. Sameach b'chalko means I don't get jealous of other people. It's not just that I'm not happy in general, but when I look at my portion, and I see my portion, I'm like, wow, this is a really good portion. Like, I actually got a big piece. It's not just, I should be happy with getting a little piece. But look at your portion, be able to see the bigness, see, be able to see the largeness of your own portion. Um, that which you have, um, again, it's, it's, it's something more specific. It's a little bit more of an appreciation and um, um, of, the, of the specific blessing that has been dealt to you, as opposed to just the general being able to navigate through life, being able to be happy with the either little or the, or the lot that you have, or even maybe even the nothing that you have. Sinek Machalko is to actually evaluate the portion, look at the, whether it's financial, whether it's um, in, 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 a, in a talent, but to look at your portion and say, wow, this is, yeah, this is a pretty darn good portion. Um, and I, I think that's what, that's what the Kenyan of, of Sinek Machalko is. And if you, you won't be able to acquire Torah if you're, you know, if, if you're uptight about about what Hashem has given you, you're, and you're, you're, that you're unsatisfied with what Hashem has given you. And on the flip side, the more Torah that you have, the more the more Torah you acquire, the more you'll be able to be happy with your portion, the more you're going to understand the, the, the need for that, and the more you're going to be able to appreciate it. But anyway, I think that's going to have to take us through the week of Netzach. Be'ezras Hashem, next week we'll pick up with with uh, week five, which is going to be the week of Hod, and trying to understand exactly what is the opposite of of Netzach, the opposite of resilience and endurance, and how is that a good thing, right? Um, which would, it would seem to be that the opposite of that couldn't be the best Mida, but apparently that's going to also be the Mida that's going to help us understand Lagba Omer when we get there, Be'ez Ras Hashem. So we have plenty to discuss, so stay tuned, and thank you for joining us here at the Database.